for our acts The sea can be deep for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Where there's a will, there's a way Hello and welcome to this edition of Trudging Together Raw Recovery with Dion. Uh, today I have a guest, and I've actually known this guy for quite a while. I haven't seen you in a long time. We got to do a little bit of catching up in the last uh, last few weeks. Uh, but I'd like to introduce uh, Daryl from Denver. Uh, welcome to the show, Daryl. Thank you very much, Dion. Uh, nice to see you again. Good to see you. Um, you're aging nicely. <laughs> you ought to see that from my perspective. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, what we do is we come on here and, um, you know, we give everybody a chance to come on and tell their stories. Um, you know, stories are unique in a way that, you know, everybody kind of has certain things that happen to them. And it, hurt, it happens in different ways. So, um, you know, the whole point of this is for people to, to be able to connect with other people because everybody's different. Um, but in a sense, being... Being the disease that we have, um, we're all alike in a way. We're all going for a common goal together, so uh, which is the unity portion. Um, but it all kind of goes the same. So why don't I'm going to go ahead and, and open it up for you and uh, let you get started with your story. Thank you. Hi, my name is Daryl, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, you know, as we were talking before before the show. I don't like to dwell on my on my drunk log because everybody has one. However, um, mine is I'm just I'm a Chicago street kid. Um, I'm a I was an effect drinker, um, which can be troublesome. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know it was like uh, when I remember at one point I used to have to take an annual physical for the job that I was in. And the doctor looked at me and he said, I was 263 pounds. Um, I had what they call a distended liver. In other words, it was sticking out my side. Yep. Your liver was supposed to be a couple pounds. Mine was like about four or five, something like that. Um, I was jaundice. And that doctor looked at me and he said, you know, you probably, if you keep this up, you probably got about four or six, four to six months to to live. Mm -hmm. And my response to that basically was, yeah, what's your point? Yeah. Um, I looked for oblivion. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, death. The fear of death does not stop us. We're already living in hell. Right. Exactly. And don't know if subconsciously that's what I was looking for. Anyway, mm -hmm. you know, at the time, I'm not one of these. You know, um, I didn't have issues. To basically, it was like. I created them as I drank, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't come in um, because my parents were horrible or um, Uncle Willie got a little too close or any of those things. Those okay. things didn't happen to me. I had a, I was a single uh, only child. My parents were upper, upper middle class. I had all the things, the toys and things like that. It mm -hmm. was like going in the last half of my senior year. 
I was uh, 48th out of 704 the last semester, wow. and I did not graduate with my class. Wow. Found the miracles of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Um, ended up having to go to summer school. I was supposed to go to University of Texas pre-med. Um, and then I heard my parents talking about how they were going to second mortgage the house to pay for my tuition, which mm -hmm. wasn't squat back in the 70s. Certainly. Um, but it was like my brain said, oh, no, that's not going to happen. And mm -hmm. I came home and I announced that, hey, I joined the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> and they looked at me and said, uh, why did you do that? <laughs> Types, another disappointment yeah. type of deal. So. When I got into the military, um, that's when I kicked my my disorder into high gear yeah. type of deal, and it continued on. Um, while I was while I was serving, my folks moved uh, to Kansas. I went from three million of my most intimate friends to twelve hundred and thirty five, and I was the thirty fifth one. Yeah. And there wasn't a whole lot to do in Spring Hill, Kansas. Uh, it was Mayberry <laughs> RFD, where it had the barbershop, the, the hardware store, um, the high school that graduated 20 kids, uh, the bank and four bars, and I didn't do a lot of yeah. banking yeah. <laughs> type of thing. So anyway, it was like my old man had this sentenced to chase dead president's portraits on green pieces of paper okay and one day he came home that's and announced money, that's money mm -hmm. <laughs> um he had this he came home and announced that he had taken a job in denver okay well i was getting in trouble in kansas that was i was had i've had three duis in three different states and kansas was no exception to that rule okay <laughs> And uh, I was just getting in trouble and more and more trouble. And I basically said, I'm not, you've got me as far west as you're going to get me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to Denver. Mm -hmm. um, my old man wrote me a letter and basically said, you're my only kid, blah, blah, blah. At least come out here and try this. Mm -hmm. So in, de in December of 79, I came out for Christmas. Um, he fed me elk steaks. I went skiing. I moved in February. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in time for his birthday. And that's how I got to Denver. Well, obviously, once again, I was in three quarters of a million people and mm -hmm. had a lot of access. I got had got a great job, came out as an iron worker working downtown, making mm -hmm. stupid money, um, of which I had not a dime to show for it. But um, met a woman. Um, who is the mother of my kids. We call her the egg donor because, well, that was my kid's term, not yeah. mine. Um, and uh, ended up with three kids. Um, drinking continued on. She took off, left me with the kids. Okay. We had just gotten actually evicted from a place. Um and moved into a duplex and she did not move with us okay and again i was in the midst of i was heavily into my cups let's put yeah. it that way um, i remember waking up one it was a split level duplex and i remember my moment of clarity was i woke up on a monday morning sicker than a dog looking through the fog mm-hmm and you could look over my balcony, and you could see the the kitchen on the right, the living room on the on the left. And sitting at the kitchen table, 
were my two boys at either end of the uh, of the table in their underwear. I can remember to this day they were eating alphabet cereal. Mm-hmm. And my daughter was in her underwear, and she would take a couple bites of her cereal, and then she would rifle through a basket of laundry. And it just looked like chaos to me. Yeah. And this is going to mess me up still to this day. (laughs) I looked down at her and I said, Crystal, what the hell are you doing? And she was eight and a half years old. She was the oldest. Yeah. And at eight and a half years old, she stopped dead in her tracks and she looked at me and she says, well, daddy, somebody's got to do it. Mm -hmm. I dropped. Yeah. I lost it. Alcoholic emotions, whatever. But it was at that moment I knew I had to do something. Didn't know what that was yet. Yeah. Um, But that was my moment of clarity. And uh, I had a friend that I played softball with in a bar league that I knew had um, gone to AA. Okay. Um, And I, I got a hold of him. Um, his name was Les. We called him Goose. <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, he says, you know what? He says, I hang out with a bunch of goofy-ass bikers that try to stay sober. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come meet us? And I thought about that and thought about that. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, I'll try that. <clears throat> and uh, so anyway, I showed up on a Thursday for a meeting back then it was at 72nd and our 70th and and uh broadway here mm-hmm. in denver yeah and there's big industrial complex light yep. industrial complex and mm-hmm. had this little narrow hallway opened up to this huge, <laughs> huge huge room and they used to pack that thing yep but this night it was like i got there and i stood out in the hallway by right across from the coffee bar and I'm nervously looking at my watch, and it's getting closer to meeting time. And there was this big old leathered out, tatted up, ugly biker behind the coffee bar. <laughs> he goes, dude, he says, why don't you just, like, go on in and have a seat? And yeah. I said, I'm sure your friends will show up. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I went, yeah, okay, whatever. He goes, but before you do, he says, give me a hug. Mm. I looked up at uh, him, uh, and I said, uh, fuck uh, you. <laughs> And you know what happened? He came around that coffee bar yeah. and gave me a hug. Yeah. Wasn't a damn thing to do. Forced about. love in AA. I showed up the next night for the hug. Yeah. You know, I thought that I was I was independent, didn't need anybody, didn't want anybody in my life. When I actually realized was mm-hmm. I was starving for human companionship and compassion. We don't um, even know that. We don't even know it until we realize, you know, that it was gone. Right. You know, I had did, no we clue. We don't even know it. It was like I was, being an only child, I had that self-sufficiency all by myself. Mm -hmm. Anyway, type of deal. Yeah. And it was like I thought that's the way that it was. Mm -hmm. You know, I had no really close friends, those kind of things, you know. Barely had family. Um, I had three kids that I didn't know how to take care of. Yeah. You know, I don't, I celebrate uh, September 8th, 1990 as my sobriety date. Mm -hmm. I'm not positive if that's actually the day okay. um, what that is is that's the date that's printed on the top of a restraining order 
that a Jeffco <laughs> sheriff served me, and I was sober the day that he gave that to me, and that's why I use that day. Hey, you know what? It's government paper. Works for right, me. Right, right. <laughs> sheriff so, signed it. This is my sobriety day. Right. That's exactly it, too, and that's why I use that. And somewhere in stores, somewhere that piece of paper still exists. Um, but those guys, they they told me things. They told me things like, you know, we'll love you until you can love yourself. All this weird crap. <laughs> they told me to get a big book and read it and get a sponsor and use them and call them and those kind of things. And it was like, I had a hard time with that. Yeah. I was like trying to let go. Um, I drank it like, I don't know, 14 days I drank it, 21 mm -hmm. days. I remember one time I drank it, 29 days. Okay. Um, and then I got a chip. Mm -hmm. I got that red chip. I got 30 days, mm -hmm. and I drank. And I got another 30 days, and I drank. Mm -hmm. And then um, the third chip I got, I got a third red chip, 30 days. And after the meeting, this other old crusty biker come walking out to me and goes, you know, motherfucker, those things come in other colors. Why don't you try some? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about some AA places, though. I mean, it, they are different. We're talking about, you know, uh, Putt and Sober. Putt and Sober. And, uh, and I remember them being off 70th and Broadway. But it's a different kind of AA. It is a tough love AA. It isn't a, hey, it's going to be all right, because it's not all right. It's not a coddling. Nope. Um, you're going to be just fine and come here type crap. Mm -hmm. um, it was what I needed, though. Yep. Um, I found out through that, that experience that um, that their uh, motorcycle boots fit my sphincter really well. <laughs> um, it, uh, there was no nonsense. I mean, these guys backed me up. If I remember one time I was... I showed up drunk to a meeting. Uh-huh. Really a dumb thing to do. Yeah, especially a button sort <laughs> And about five of those guys backed me up into a corner and said, you need to stop. Mm-hmm. And eventually that all settled in, mm -hmm. you know. Um, for about four months, I stayed with those guys. Um, I did meetings multiple meetings usually mm -hmm. every day yep. they said do 90 and 90 mm -hmm. um i had nowhere else to go anyway yeah and so i started doing the 5 30 meetings the seven o'clocks and the, you know the 8 30s mm -hmm. or eights or whatever it was um but it was like i wanted something was missing you know i'd been in business um in town for 10 years at that point um i was trying to figure out how to how to raise kids mm -hmm. and i didn't know how to take care of myself mm -hmm. um and they helped guide me to do that but i wanted more than just the biker type of lifestyle yeah. i am that guy sure i've been riding since 75 mm -hmm. but there was more that i wanted out of that yeah you know i remember uh my sponsor, his name is Redman. It's um, a name I haven't heard in a long time. We're still in touch here and there. Awesome. Um, it is awesome. 
And so it was like, you know, he asked me, what did I want? You know, and one of the first goals that I really wanted out of sobriety, I tell people today, it's like if I had I made a list of the things that I wanted from sobriety, uh-huh. back when I first sobered up, I'd have cheated myself. Yeah. Um, but one of the first things I wanted is I wanted to be able to brush my teeth in front of a sink just like everybody else. Isn't it nice? Because I used to brush my teeth in the shower because mm-hmm. my toothbrush had become a weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I would get sick and gag and the yep. whole time I was already in the shower so I could get yep. cleaned up type of deal. And one day I was brushing my teeth in front of the sink. And as soon as that happened and I realized it, I wanted more. Mm-hmm. And so I was. Redman had a saying: he used to get out of the get out of the ignorance and into the education of the disease. Mm-hmm. And through that process, I took that to heart. Um, I did go back to school, and my uh, background is mechanical engineering, okay. and so I'm kind of anal sometimes about stuff. <laughs> kind of, sort of, maybe. <laughs> I need to know, <laughs> tight crap. Uh, and I and I started getting into that, and one of the stats. One of the first stats that I found was that one in 34 of us survived this. Um, I decided to try to stick around long enough to really piss off 33 other people. That's right. (laughs) Um, But the other thing that I was, he had had a a girlfriend and kids, and I wanted to know how how do you raise these kids, you know? How do you save money and be able to afford and do these things and he helped me through that process mm-hmm. you know i've never fired a sponsor i've always added to them type of deal certainly redman is still to this day a closed mouth a dear closed mouth friend that yeah. i could go to anytime if i wanted to certainly but the next guy that i asked to take me through the steps and redman took me through my first set of steps <laughs> That was a process. <laughs> I had my, my ninth step took about, actually, to finish it, my ninth step took about mm, three and a half, four years. I believe it was. Well, right most now. of my amends were back in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so I had to travel mm-hmm. that in Kansas. So, and some of them were not, they, they were, I was a nasty human being. Let's yeah. put it that way, yeah. I'm, without getting into a lot of detail. But um, I wanted, I got a hold of a businessman and uh, a very good guy, funny, um, John G. And, you know, they, <laughs> one of the things they said that a sponsor is not, he's not an employer, he's not mm-hmm. a bank, and he's not a hotel yeah. clerk. Um, basically, he became that yeah. <laughs> type of deal. He just basically took me under my wing, and he taught me how to integrate having family with still working. Mm-hmm. And that went on for a while, and a and year, couple years passed, and, you know, we start hitting those plateaus and getting to know it all and mm-hmm. those kind of things, and <laughs> it was like I wanted more. And so I changed meetings. I started going to different different meetings um, all around. And one of the meetings that he had taken me to was um, called. Well, it was in uh, Edgewater. It was called. Odd, it was in Oddfellows Hall. Yeah. 
and I figured drunks in a place called Outfitters Hall, <laughs> I belong. Yeah. Um, and so I started going there, and I met a gentleman by the name of Elmer. And to this day, I still call him my sponsor. We're not in contact like we used to be, but I know that I can call him as well, mm-hmm. what have you. And he helped me solidify uh, family, business, and sobriety. Yeah, He was the guy that um, got me to that point where I was once comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, the, we have the we have all these sayings: "Don't leave before the miracle happens." Yeah. And, and for me, that miracle was having to go to meetings became mm-hmm. wanting to. Yeah, where the where that switch. It's where I could meet you, and I could meet friends, people mm-hmm. that I could that got me, that mm-hmm. understood me. Mm-hmm. I got them, type of deal, um, and went through another set of steps. Um, I, I got in so many, I don't know how many times I've gone through the steps, but every time I do, I find out more. Mm-hmm. Um, went through a custody battle. My parents actually offered to take care of my kids for the first year of school okay. when I, while I sobered up. And I would go get them every weekend because their egg donor wouldn't even show up. Yeah, I got soul custody of my kids you judge looked at me and looked at her and said you so that'll give you insight on how screwed up she was yeah. she was an alcoholic she was every other probably 12-step group yeah <laughs> she was an alcoholic uh, but and so i took my kids in and i raised them for 12 years i was mm-hmm. basically a single dad i've had i have exes in plural yeah um it's like they came and went mm-hmm. type of deal with you know that's one of my other issues but <laughs> that i still haven't worked through that'll be another podcast 29 right right <laughs> 29 years later i still haven't worked through all of that but i started celebrating anniversaries um i know so many people in this program that are still lifelong friends mm-hmm. um, things that I never had before um, I've met everything from doctors to plumbers to homeless mm-hmm. type of deal and can relate to every single one of those you know um, I've had I've given away three homes uh, basically to exes <laughs> <laughs> good news is I'm not afraid of commitment but yeah <laughs> <laughs> For all you um, ladies out there. And I've rebuilt and rebuilt and um, just went through the process of, of doing it again a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it, sobriety doesn't guarantee, I mean, sobriety and, and happiness and success and all those things are not symbiotic. No. You know, it's like one of the things that I found out when I stripped away all that alcohol was uh, there's Daryl. Yeah. And, and what am I going to do about that? This dysfunctional biological vessel mm-hmm. that had a really skewed outlook on how the way the world was. Mm-hmm. Um, angry, um, 
rage, not just a lot of rage. Yeah, yeah it's like big difference between anger and rage. There are the huge difference. Yep. You know, um, it says pause when agitated. Get agitated. <laughs> That's yeah, early washing, in the rage washing machine get agitates clothes. <laughs> you know, and and I tell people it's like, and this is a true story. It's like I tell people, I never had a blackout that I can recall. Yeah. <laughs> But the truth of the matter is, I, nobody's ever told me a story while I was drinking, mm-hmm. the next day type stories, that I did something that I didn't have some memory of doing. Sure. So I had that shame and all that guilt and all that crap that we go through. Mm-hmm. But I would rage blackout. Yeah. And I would go from upset to insanely enraged mm-hmm. in a nanosecond. Mm-hmm. Um, about... Two years sober, I was at uh, Wadsworth and like 88th, and there is a, a, well, back then it was a PDQ. Yeah. It was a convenience store. Yeah. Um, and I was driving, working, and as I pulled in, this guy cut me off, and the last thing I remember was him flipping me the bird. Mm-hmm. The next thing I remember is him slumped over his fender. Yeah. And I went, and I had blood on my hands, and I went, uh-oh. Yeah. I got in my car, and I, I hauled ass. Um, unfortunately, well, fortunately, actually, um, the store clerk took down my license plate mm-hmm. number. And about two or three hours later, I got a phone call. said, this is such and such with the Jeffco, um, Jefferson County deputy. Yeah. And he says, we need to talk. About what? (laughs) He goes, you know what. He says, we need to talk. And so I met that man. And uh, he said, I'm going to give you a situation. He says, and I'm also going to give you an an option. He said, "Uh, that guy you beat, uh, he got pretty messed up. He said, however, he had just come. This is like 10 o'clock in the morning that it happened. Mm-hmm. He had just come up 88th past a school zone, and he had a blood alcohol content of 0.2 something. And so he says, I made a deal with him. He don't press charges, and I would give him a DUAI mm-hmm. instead of a DUI. Yeah. He says, your part of this is you get to attend some of my anger management classes that I give. <laughs> I thought about that and I got pissed off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a great story though because the, the police officer found an option to educate everyone and that's really what their job is. And and with I went to those classes. Um, they were nine weeks. Uh-huh. I ended up helping him do those classes for 18 months. Yeah. I yeah. got into it so much. It's amazing and, and, what and can happen the in The stuff that I learned there and, and that interaction works today. Mm-hmm. The tools that I was given, um, I'm not that rager anymore. Mm-hmm. I get upset just like everybody else. Sure. But I'm not that rager anymore. Mm-hmm. Again, out of the ignorance and into the education. Yeah. Of things and putting it into practice. Yeah, pausing when agitated pausing, because we know that's huge. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, because 
I had the same problems. You know, I had a lot of anger too. And that's the scary thing about rage. You black out. I do. I do. That's why I don't like it. Um, I'm, I'm scared to death of it. Yeah, I'm scared to death of it. Um, and I don't want to go back to that place. What's cool is that when we start getting a little bit of it, we do want more. Because it's, it, it gives us back what we used to feel when we drank in the beginning. And it starts to fill that hole. And then we want more of it. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a page 21 drunk, man. And and an, I'm cross-addicted. Okay. Um, I did drugs, intravenous drugs, and blah, 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 all that stuff, too. So it feels good, smells good, looks good, tastes good, or sounds good. There mm-hmm. isn't enough of it. Yeah, exactly. And that works in my recovery as mm-hmm. well. You know, if it's, it, I'm like, I love new adventures. Mm-hmm. And I'll go try just about anything one time. Um, it's kind of like when your kids, they say they don't like broccoli. It's like, you got to try it yeah, and then tell me you don't <laughs> like it. If you try it, tell me you don't like it, we're good. Yeah. If you just do that point blank just by looking at it, yeah. no, not going to happen. <laughs> and so I do that. I try it. Mm-hmm. And if I like it, probably going to do it again. Yeah. And sobriety did that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have met some incredible people um, through... 29 plus years now yeah um some of them are really assholes <laughs> but they're still they made an impact on my life mm-hmm. you know um learning acceptance and all those things that we were supposed to learn you know there's something i've learned a different value system yeah it's like i don't want that in my life so we're probably not going to hang out yeah. or i really like that let's hang out mm-hmm. type stuff mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you get to a point where you can take advice from enemies and still make you a can't. change. The mm-hmm. message can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a guy that walks around. <laughs> almost everybody knows him um, locally. He's the guy that has the newspaper with him, always does the crossword mm-hmm. puzzles, and he's been 86 out of who knows how many yeah. years. <laughs> but he would he would say some things sometimes that were profound yeah they weren't always bad-mouthing somebody or like you had a habit of doing Mm -hmm. especially to newcomers well and he's a fantastic example of anyone anywhere can do this as long as they follow a few simple steps i know i know who you're talking about we're just not bringing up names for anonymity right but yeah he used to say some of the yeah i always because you people would always be like all right no, you you got to listen because it doesn't. You don't know whose mouth it's going to come out of. Right. God works in mysterious ways, and He doesn't work on your time or how you want it to. They told me that if I hung around long enough, I would hear my story out of somebody else's mouth. The first mm-hmm. time that happened was up in Vitality at a five thirty meeting. There was an old, there was a elderly woman who was at that time she was in her seventies, mm-hmm. and she started telling some of her story, and I heard myself. Mm-hmm. She was telling my story. She was a bourbon drinker. She would the, the, the I mean, the behaviors are the same, mm-hmm. you know. And that helped get rid of my terminal uniqueness. You know, you guys took away my yeah buts, mm-hmm. and and her and I became pretty close. Um, she's one of the people that were on my phone, yeah. and and I would call and talk, and she would just laugh at me. Oh, mm-hmm. honey. 
<laughs> blah blah blah. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. <laughs> type shit and, and stuff like that. And she talked like a sailor too. And so I, you know, it, it's I've gotten so much from so many different, diverse people that before I came into the rooms, I would have never given you the time of day. Mm-hmm. I I didn't do that with most people. Yeah. You know, it was like, because I had that attitude of, I didn't need you. Mm-hmm. It's like, and to this day, I still crave that connection. Mm-hmm. You know, I still am active. I have a an online group. Um, and not to plug it or anything, but I'm just... Plug it. <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous Closed Meeting, it's called. Okay. I started it six years ago. Um and for about five years, about four and a half years, it muddled around here and there, collecting dust, had about sure. 200 members of it. And Facebook went and actually changed classifications to groups, and all of a sudden it exploded. Mm-hmm. And that 193 members now is at 8,600. Wow. And we are literally global. There is 101 different countries that is represented in that membership. Mm-hmm. The one thing that, I mean, our, our primary purpose is to carry the message online. It's a little bit different yes. and as much as we have hundreds and hundreds of newcomers. Mm-hmm. And we might be the first face that they, or voice or words sure. that they see about recovery. Um, for us, it's, and I have people, with, there's a guy with 60 years in that group so we run the gambit of of longevity but it's to get those guys to like it enough that they'll actually go try to find a local meeting Mm -hmm. if we can get them to go to a local meeting and actually do it you know they're scared to death to go do that Mm -hmm. i don't know how many times somebody's got i went to my first meeting it was great type stuff yeah you know and so we do we have i have a vessel or a vehicle that i can literally reach tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. and i have an amazing admin crew that i call our trusted servants that there's about eight of us and it's an amazing it's just an amazing group and we do live online meetings okay with video and stuff like that and, and, and they can find it on facebook just facebook search groups search okay. alcoholics anonymous closed meeting alcoholics anonymous uh closed meeting and then uh I will throw up a link for it on uh, trudging together a little bit later today. That'd be great. That'd be great. I appreciate that. It's, it's, um, I call it closed meeting because to get in, you have to answer two questions. One, are you an alcoholic? Yeah. You have to say yes. Yeah. You know, because people aren't, it's really weird. I found out that closed meeting was around here. Everybody goes around the room and introduces themselves. Yeah. That's not true across the world. No, it's not. It's supposed to be open to anybody that's an alcoholic. For mm-hmm. us, I just wanted it alcoholics, just to mm-hmm. make sure you're an alcoholic. So, sure, you know they can lie, but yeah. who's gonna lie about? Well, yeah, yeah, I want to be an alcoholic. Um, yes, <laughs> right, right. You know. So, but anyway, um, you know, my my years of of recovery have been, and and it's still. To this day, uh, more will be revealed. I get, I get, I've, I've tried to stay open-minded. Um, 
to learn new things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'll still go into the big book these days. I have not got that thing memorized. Yeah. I have to search. <laughs> like when I sponsor somebody, it's like, you know, somewhere in the book it says this or that. Yeah. It's like, where is that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Let me go look. Because I know he's a big book thumper. He knows. Besides, I have a yeah, I have a I have a third edition, and he might have a fourth. Yeah. <laughs> so it might, the, the first hundred and sixty four are the same, but after that, it's yeah, different, it's you know, changed. But, so. And AA has changed. Certainly, AA has changed. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure for the best, but whatever. I think the message needs to stay the same, and I agree. We'll be, and we'll be good principles before personalities. Personalities. I think if we keep those things in mind, we'll be just fine. But it's going to change. The world changes. So, and we're a microcosm of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just a cross-section of society. Yeah. You know, we start out as probably the dregs of it, but (laughs) we run the gambit. We do. I remember about, I think it was four or five months sober. And, of course, we don't take care of ourselves. Mm -mm. Um, And I got a sinus infection, and it got so bad um i felt like my, my face was going to explode and somehow some way i ended up over at putt and sober and there was a woman by the name of another friend to this day nurse lynn um she looked at me and she goes uh we need to go to the hospital mm-hmm. and the next thing i know is i'm in saint anthony's north and the next morning i'm just they drugged me they did this and that and what have you and i woke up the next morning and this doctor was taking my pulse and he looks down at me he says you don't fucking know how to take care of yourself do you Mm. i was like this is a doctor he goes your uh, white blood cell count is off the charts he says i'm gonna try this new stuff and he hung this bag of antibiotic that was orange Mm -hmm. and i watched it drip down and i could actually feel it yeah. When it hit the needle. Yeah. And he looked at me and says, if this doesn't work by tomorrow, he says, I'm actually going to cut your face off and scrape that stuff out. Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, who are you? <laughs> he goes, just another drunk. Yeah. He was in recovery. Yep. And, of course, Nurse Lynn and those guys told him I was new mm-hmm. and what have you. Um, I still know him. Um, he's not doing as well these days, just age. Yeah. Type of deal. So, uh, that was... <laughs> That was another thing that they told me. If I stuck around long enough, that I would live to see me live to see a lot of people get buried. Yeah, and that's you'll been see, a truth. You'll see a lot of miracles, and we have see lost a lot, a lot of, of old timers this yes, last year. Yep. Some really good people. So, well, is there anything else? No, you know, it it works. Yeah. Um, give yourself the gift of life. Um, if you're new to this program, um work it participate and they told me that it wasn't a spectator sport mm-hmm. participate in your recovery um Absolutely. it's well worth the rewards so it is. there's there's just, promises that come with it and, and they're they come at the third they come at six nine they come at kind of come in threes <laughs> AA likes their threes they do. So, well, thank you very much for being on with us today, Daryl. Thank I, you. I appreciate your time, um, and it's good to see you again. You know, I think we can take a lot from this. Um, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. I mean, heck, Daryl grew up in a great home, had great parents, but yet once the alcohol started taking over, it took over quickly and ruined his life. 
Then there was an intervention, and, and I really loved that one because for me, um, what happened was it was my family too. The the fear of losing my kids again and losing my and losing my current wife was just not acceptable to me anymore. And I had to make that change. And I made that change by going in, being humble, saying, I need help. And so remember, you don't have to do this alone. This is a we program. And by we, I don't mean small, I mean big. So everybody hang in there. You are a miracle. And if you haven't experienced it, please stick around until the miracle happens. Please. You don't have anything else to do. Trust me. All right. So, everybody, thank you for listening. This has been a been a great podcast. I enjoy being here. I love you all. Peace out and have a day.